Hi, I'm Gavin Giovanoni. I'm the Professor of Neurology at Barts and the London School of Medicine and Dentistry. And this MSLFE podcast is about whether or not clitorium acetate uh, or the drug called Copaxone uh, still has a role to play in the management of MS. So this is actually a part of a series of uh, newsletters or podcasts making the case for all the questions you as someone the MS has to answer before you start a disease modifying therapy. Now the injectables, which are about 25 years old, I'm referring to interferon beta and glitterum acetate, are not used that much in our clinical practice uh, anymore, simply because we've moved to more efficacious uh, therapies first line. And the reason why we go for more efficacious therapies first line is on average, the higher the efficacy you go on to, the better you do long-term. In other words, going through a lower efficacy therapy and failing the treatment or the treatment fails you uh, means you do you lose time and on average you do worse. So we don't prescribe very much first-line uh, injectable therapies nowadays uh, simply because uh, we nudge our patients uh, or encourage them to go on to high-efficacy therapies uh, first line. And also, people don't like injecting themselves anymore. They prefer taking a tablet or having an infusion that doesn't hassle them uh, compared to having frequent uh, injections. So th I think that's the, the the bottom line. But there is still a role uh, for glitterum acetate uh, in the management of MS particularly because it's been shown to be very safe uh, in this in the sense that there are no major adverse events or life-threatening adverse events of glitterum acetate. Um, it's not immunosuppressive, so it doesn't cause secondary cancers, opportunistic infections, there are no monitoring requirements, no blood tests to be done before or after starting the therapy. So that's actually quite useful. So the burden of monitoring uh, is very low. And it's been shown now to be safe during pregnancy and breastfeeding. So people who go onto the therapy can fall pregnant safely on the, on the therapy, continue out throughout pregnancy and continue breastfeeding without having to worry about it. So the indications then for using glitterum acetate, I would say are mainly in women wanting to start to extend their families and are worried about the profile of the other disease-modifying therapies during pregnancy. Another place we use it quite often is bridging. If somebody's got a persistent lymphopenia, low lymphocyte count after a particular therapy and they're waiting to get onto another treatment and they're very worried about having relapses or recurrent disease activity before they can start the other treatment, they, um, they go on to glitterum acetate or copaxone to bridge that gap. I call that bridging. An uh, example of that would be going from, say, dimethyl fumarate, tecvidera, when you've got a low lymphocyte count, say, to cladribine, where you have to have your lymphocyte count above a 1,000 or 1. Uh, during that time when you're waiting for your lymphocytes to come back, and it can take months to years for lymphocytes to recover after dimethyl fumarate, uh, you may want to be on glitterum acetate to protect you. Another place is in people who have complications of chronic immune suppression. These are people developing secondary cancers or opportunistic infections or severe infections, and they're worried about staying on chronic immune suppression. They go on to glitterum acetate, knowing that it's not going to really impact on their tumor immune surveillance. So that's what I think is probably the most common uh, indication in, in my clinical practice at the moment. Or even older people who are 
developing immunosenescence and they want to de-risk themselves from chronic immune suppression may choose uh, glutarium acetate. It's not the only agent you could de-risk onto, but it's an option. And I suppose the biggest place for glutarium acetate is a legacy DMT. You know, this reminds me of, um, you know, something's working, don't give up on it. And there are large numbers. I'm talking about hundreds of thousands of people with multiple sclerosis worldwide that have been on glutarium acetate for decades. And their disease is under control. They haven't had any relapses. They're stable. And they're too nervous to stop the therapy. And I uh, agree. You know, if somebody feels confident and safe and comfortable with their current DMT, why stop it? Uh, and also the evidence base about uh, stopping DMTs is not that mature. So we don't know if somebody's been on an injectable therapy like glutarium acetate, you know, for five, 10 years, if stopping it keeps them in remission or do they rebound or have recurrent disease activity? I mean, there is a slight, well, there is an emerging evidence base suggesting in older patients, people who have no evident inflammatory disease activity for four or five years can safely stop the therapy with a, a smaller number uh, having relapses. But again, this is not an absolute. And so some people are nervous to do this and want to stay on their therapy uh, long term. So in this particular MSLF newsletter, I go through all the characteristics of glutarium acetate, you know, uh, how you give it, the main side effects. The main side effects are main injection site reactions, which are usually not that severe. With chronic use, you can get uh, atrophy of the uh, fat, fatty tissue. We call that lipoatrophy under the injection site. Um, there has been an incidence of urticarial hives uh, that develop with this. That ha has does develop the drug often has to be stopped. I have had one, uh, two patients of mine who've had quite severe urticaria as a, as a result of glutarium acetate. Um, anyway, the specific information is in the full newsletter. Please uh, read it. It also goes through that we now have what we call, these are like generics or biosimilars. It's quite an interesting class of therapy. It's not a biological or a small molecule, but you can get um, uh, drugs that mimic the action of capaxone, and it, uh, there are some rare product characteristics around each of these uh, things, each of these compound formulations. Just to say that you know switching is really uh, not a problem uh, between switching between formulations. You can do that without. When you're moving from other DMTs onto glutarium acetate, there's usually no reason why you have to wait or wait for a washout. You can do it immediately. And similarly, when you're going from glutarium acetate to other therapies, there's usually no reason to have a gap. You can uh, uh, switch over. So switching is extremely easy, either onto glutarium acetate or off glutarium acetate. Um, and glutarium acetate, because it's a cocktail of these small peptides, um, that work, we think, by modulating the immune system. They may affect the way T lymphocytes, T lymphocytes function. And we don't really know how glutarium acetate works. You know, it's considered the uh, equivalent of a cat with nine lives. It has nine or more modes of action that have been described. All we know, it does work. Uh, its impact is moderate in terms of how it reduces relapses. Probably a reduction of about 30% on average. It may reduce severe relapses by about 50%. Its impact on MRI activity is relatively moderate, and it has 
you know, relatively poor impact on end organ damage in terms of uh, brain volume loss. But that's an average effect. And like all other DMTs, there is a group of people that do extremely well. And I put that in the order of about 15 to 20% of people who go on to glutarium acetate they do very, very well, and I call them super responders. They seem to go into long-term remission, no inflammatory disease activity, and remain stable for years, decades uh, on the drug. If only, and I say if only we could predict who would become a super responder, you know, we'd be, probably use this drug a lot more if we could uh, profile somebody at baseline, say, oh, you're going to be a super responder to glutarium acetate. We're going to prescribe the safest, easiest to use and monitor drug. Um, but we can't do that. And that's kind of why we don't offer it or don't recommend it first line um, uh, that frequently anymore is because we don't have the ability to know who's going to be a responder, non-responder. The only way we can work that out is to put somebody on the therapy and monitor them. And it normally takes anything from two, three, four years to find out if somebody is going to become a super responder. Um Anyway, if you've got any questions about clitoral acetate, please ask them on the site. I will answer them. Uh, just to say to you that uh, MSLFI is a initiative I launched in June of last year, June 2021, um, to help people with multiple sclerosis self-manage their disease. So the whole purpose of this site is to evolve over time. And I uh, created a subscription model, uh, and I've also added donations. I'm using the uh, subscriptions and donations to hire what I have already, a uh, medical writer who's transcribing everything in plain English in a consistent way onto an MSLF uh, website. And that website's going to be wonderfully curated, so you don't have to go through uh, lots of new newsletters to find your information. You'll be able to go to an index and click on what you want to and read about how to self-manage your disease. So if you can afford it, I would appreciate uh, a subscription. Uh, if you don't feel a subscription is what you want to give, you can give a one-off donation uh, as well. And let me know. I mean, this is a experiment. It's been very successful so far. But, uh, you know, I'd like to hear back from you uh, with suggestions on how you would like the MSLFE microsite to, to evolve. Thank you.